Hi, I am Rami. And I'm Shannon, and this is Workplace Hugs, where we talk about interesting things we've read or learned to help us all expand our life toolkit with a whole bunch of empathy, but without a whole new degree. I hear we're talking about Kobe Bryant today, Rami. Kobe, the Black (laughs) Mamba. Uh, Yes. So I'm an Angelino now, adopted. Kobe's uh, the lifeblood of this city. They're Kobe billboards. They're Kobe, like, there's, like, murals of him everywhere. Mm. People get the most excited when I wear my Kobe Bryant jersey, when I'm, like, out and about. The uh, the Rams, when they won the Super Bowl, Cooper Cup, the MVP, wore a Kobe Bryant jersey, was like, there's no way you can do anything in this town without throwing some respect back to Kobe. Mm-hmm. He is beloved in Los Angeles. I didn't know that. I mean, so, I knew he played for the Lakers, but I didn't realize how loved he was. What else do you know about Kobe, Shannon? I mean, my memory of him is the tragedy around his death, honestly. Mm-hmm. Like the, I just remembered being so shocked by that, um, the the helicopter crash. So that is my most vivid memory. But beyond that, I don't know a lot about him other than he played for the Lakers, and he was an incredible uh, basketball player. But I don't follow basketball as a sport, so that's about it. How many championships do you think he won? I don't know, seven. That's a lot. He won five, oh, but five okay. is still five is still a lot of championships <laughs> to have won. Did he win them all with the Lakers? Yeah, he only played with Lakers. Okay. Drafted by the Lakers out of high school. Um, just as a counterpoint, LeBron James is only won four. Oh, that is a helpful counterpoint to help you think about like how many. And what about Michael Jordan? Michael Jordan, I think, has seven, six. I'm trying to think of the picture where he has the rings. Six. He's got, like, a picture with him holding, like, the two hands together. Yeah. Um, So he's known as being one of the most clutch NBA players of all time. Let's give some background here. He, when he retired, had, I think, made the most game-winning shots. How many game-winning shots do you think? Right, there's like 80 games in a season. I think he played like nearly 20 seasons. 80. 14. Oh, okay. So few. I think LeBron might have the most now. I think he might have 16 or 17. Like it's it's not that many game-winning shots. Wow. Over a career. But it feels like it would be a lot. Yeah. Um. So then my question for you, Shannon, is do you think he had a good game-winning shot percentage? When the game was on the line, they're losing by a point, Kobe's got the ball. Do you think he is known as one of the most clutch players of all time? Do you think that he is making that shot? Like, what percent do you think? 100% would be every time, all 14. Every time he he made made the shot, yeah, he made it. Um, 10% 10% would mean that he had, what, 140 attempts? pretty good odds. So what do you think? I don't know, like 30%? I'm thinking uh, free throw percentage is like 60-something, right? Or 50? Or yep. I don't know. Okay. So his was 25%. Okay. And at the time that he retired, he had actually missed the most game-winning shots of all time. Oh, wow. 
which I think is the more interesting stat is, yeah, Kobe had the most game winning shots, but he also had the most opportunities. And honestly, he wasn't that consistent because when I ran through the numbers, I think the most accurate um, shooter in terms of uh, shots, game winning shots and opportunities was it was two people. It was uh, Michael Jordan and Ray Allen. And they were both in the like 33, 34% range. Mm-hmm. So like 10% higher than Kobe. And so thinking about that has always been really fascinating to me because when you think about being the person with the most game winning shots, but then also having the most opportunities and the most misses, like paints a completely different picture, right? When you say, oh, he's got the most and it's 14, you go, oh, that's pretty good. And then you say, well, but his shot percentage was 25%. You go, well, that's not, I mean, that's one for four. Yeah. Right? Like he made every fourth time. So they lost three quarters of their games because this dude like couldn't make a shot. Well, but I'm also imagining like when it's like game is on the line shot, like I'm imagining him shooting from like half court or further Exactly. Back. So some of these are like trash shots, right? Like they, they, yeah, you almost like just shouldn't have them shoot it because like it's just impacting stats, but you wouldn't like do that to like not impact their stats. But it's, it's more like, how do you really appreciate the fact that when we get data, when we're told a story that there's a lot more to it to get the color, right? Like, you go in and say, oh, he's got the most. You go, yep, super clutch, most clutch player of all time. Then you dig into it and you go, well, uh, maybe. Like, can we see all the shots on a court and were half of them on the other side of the court? And so they were, like, never going to go in. So, okay, let's knock out those. Now he's shooting 70%. And you go, okay, well, then he is, right? Mm-hmm. But I think it's the the thing for this, for me, has always been, like, how do you not take data at face value and really try to understand the whole picture to really, to really get a a good grasp of what it's telling you and what you can kind of take away from it. Yeah. That was always fascinating to me in the business world, how much, how easy it was to misconstrue data to make a case for something like that was effed up. That was so screwed up how easy it was to do that and weave a trail. But you had to, right? Like the, I think the, the thing that you're alluding to is like, how do you tell a story with what you have? Yeah. And you have to tell a story. And the only story you want to tell is one that either paints a dire picture so that you can get what you want or shows that you did a good job so that you can get more of what you already got. Uh huh. Like the, those are really the only two stories that you would be telling in a organization, unless you're just trying to throw somebody out of the bus, which I don't want to talk about, but yeah. you're right on, right? Like you're trying to misconstrue or tell a very pointed Specific. story. Yeah. <laughs> pointed. That's a good word for it. Pointed. Mm-hmm. To gain allyship with your data. Uh-huh. Well, and even if we look at this example, it's like, I think of it as like there's the data point and then there's the, the the set from which you are pulling the data from. And so like how do you intentionally make the set super small so it makes the data point look so huge? Mm-hmm. <laughs> or vice versa, like you pull a way larger set to make the data point look as small as you want it to look. And 
Yeah, I'm feeling like really gross and slimy in this moment, thinking back to times at Target where like we had to do that to tell the story for forecast to make it look a certain way. (laughs) It was always funny because I remember now that you bring this up, I remember like having a few like really crappy data points that I would use to be like, well, we're not that bad. Like this was the worst that we ever were in terms of whatever it was in stocks. So just remember like, we're not that bad. Yeah. So expanded the set. Let me expand the set so I can show you like how terrible things were. Uh And like, Oh, we're way over budget. We're way overspent. If you remember this time, we were way over budget then, <laughs> right? And it's like context, I think, is so fascinating in yeah. terms of like, how do you tell the story? Yes. Yeah. So I'm hearing like, be careful about it when you are the the listener receiving a story, right? right. Be mindful. What about for if you feel like you're the person that's having to give a story? I think it all depends on how clean of a story you want to tell right like with the kobe one i think it's he's when he retired he was like had the most game winning shots right and then if you want to look at it in terms of how many did he take i think what i would want to do is pull every single shot and see where they are and then say okay look i think we can all agree that the ones that he shot from the other side of the court have very low odds of going in he just happened to have the ball with a second left Uh uh-huh So if we can all agree as a group, like, let's exclude those, then we can truly look at a different data set and and take that at face value and really make sure that I think if you want to do that, you have to be very clear with how you're presenting the data and show the whole picture and bring the group along for slowly shrinking that data set if you need to. Yeah, that's a good way to do it with integrity. I like that a lot. And if they all tell you, like, no, take a hike, then you stand there and you say, okay, well, here's my data. It's 25%. Yeah, yeah. What I'm remembering is like having to get people to care about something that was really small. Because when you'd already fixed so many problems and they're still asking you to fix problems, it's like, okay, well, then the problem that we're fixing is only going to impact our total annual in stocks by like this teeny tiny percent. But you had to manipulate this upset to make it sound huge. Like, oh, 75% of our new items would be game changer if. And I like your approach to just, yeah, bring them maybe along if, if that feels like it's relevant. Yeah. Well, there you go. I still think Kobe's the best, so. <laughs> so there's that to take away from this episode. Doesn't too. change anything <laughs> from my perspective, but just remember, he missed the most game-winning shots of all time, and I don't think that changes his legacy in any way. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, we'd love for you to connect with us on LinkedIn or Instagram at Workplace Hugs. With that, I've been Shannon. And I've been Rami. And this has also been Workplace Hugs. (laughs) 